Welcome Jake Ward to the stage of the Phoenix Theater. Jake Ward is the organizer of North Bay Cabaret, an independent variety show collective based in Sonoma County. He's been doing this project since 2014 and has connected thousands of fans and artists through the work he's done tonight. We'll learn about this man and what drives him to do this work. And later, there will be a very special cabaret style performance that he has organized. Please welcome to the program, Jake Ward. Welcome. Thank you for having me. So I, a little preface, uh, one of the reasons we do this show is uh, there are so many different artists in Sonoma County, and you know this better than anybody we've had on here, so many different people doing so many different projects, and yet the different worlds don't cross-pollinate very much. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to Paul Hale, who does the audio for this show, and also uh, did the theme, God bless him, God love him, and I said, we're having Jake Ward on this week. And he, and he had no idea who Jake Ward was. And I thought, what a striking thing. Yeah. You made the face. You're confused. Yeah. How yeah. could someone not know who I am? I was like, and you trusted this man with your theme song. Oh, that's yeah. that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but it's easy to forget how, uh, you know, even in a small community, a lot of people don't know each other yeah. if they don't end up in the same room. I mean, yeah. uh, the punk rock people oftentimes don't go to the burlesque shows. There's a sliver of overlap in the Venn diagram. Right. And so... Um, I mean, the performance that you curate tonight is such a wonderful thing because it brings the people onto the stage that have never performed here before. But anyway, I digress. You sit here tonight because of the work that you do with North Bay Cabaret. And so maybe someone, perhaps like a Paul Hale, God bless him. Who? Yeah. I haven't heard of him. <laughs> maybe, I'm sure he's nice. Maybe there's somebody out there. He's the best. Uh, maybe there's some people out there who don't know what North Bay Cabaret is. This is their first introduction to our man, Jake Ward. So let's tell them, what is North Bay Cabaret? Sure. Um, North Bay Cabaret is a variety show. It is a collective of variety artists, and it has been going on for a few years, as you mentioned. So we put together events that are a combination of comedy, poetry, music, burlesque, circus acts, drag performers, pretty much anything you can name, uncategorizable performance art, fire artists, uh, circus sideshow freaks. I mean, pretty much anything. Said affectionately, of course. Said affectionately, yeah, yeah. yeah. Some of my best friends are freaks. We love the freaks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's um, it's sort of a Sonoma County-based variety show. I don't know if you want to say collective, but we put on a lot of shows and we we work together all the time and, like you said, sort of um, put people together who wouldn't normally be together. Because you did not intend to be the impresario that you have become. No. 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 This was not like a person who was a child was like, when I grow up, I want to be at the center of a giant group of performers, you know? Yeah. Because you are. You are at the center of this, this vast nexus. You know, so many people have learned about so many other people's art because of the work that you do. Yeah, and sure. that's profound. Um, but you, you, you started, why? Because you, you, you had a band and you were like, gosh, I just want my band to play at some places. Yeah, I, I basically started booking shows because I didn't have any friends or uh, colleagues to book me. And so I just stor- sort of um, wanted to find an outlet for my band. So I started booking shows for my band and then it dissolved. And then when the band went away, it was sort of like, well, now I kind of know these 
people from venues and I know these bands and some of the artists who weren't as adept at putting on shows actually kind of looked to me to continue booking them even though they weren't you know we weren't sharing a bill anymore I would just put on the show so that was sort of the beginning yeah I don't think and I was going to say when you brought it up too is like I don't think anyone at as a child dreams of being a promoter <laughs> like yeah. I, but uh, you know, I, so I, I'm a, a promoter. Maybe some people don't know that about me, but I've done a bunch of shows too. And I, I will say that I didn't like growing up think I want to be a promoter. Group, but I do know that there was a certain point where I saw that other people who were not, you know, uh, superstars were do, like, you know, just everyday people were doing it. And I was like, gosh, that would be fucking interesting, wouldn't mm-hmm. it? Um, but yeah, it, it is yeah. not one of those, like, I want to be a firefighter. I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a concert promoter. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. A five-year-old well, kid, like, the, mom, I want to be the next Bill Graham. It's like, the, no, it doesn't. The worst thing about, yeah, I mean, mo- most professions have negative stereotypes, uh, associated with the extremes, but concert promoters really do. Oh yeah. You, you cannot trust oh, us, yeah. or at least that's what people would have you believe. Oh yeah. 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 Snakes just hiding in the shadows. Yeah. Just, Yeah soulless middlemen trying to get their piece of your pie or yeah yeah no it's uh i've definitely which which, to be fair it's like there you know that might be an earned reputation to some extent but but absolutely but not you not this man oh but not me no 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 no, no, certainly not not. and certainly not you either well i appreciate it's weird that that the two ethical promoters have found each other in this format so and in between us and, yeah, then, I, and then an ethically compromised. I just want to run a <laughs> sandwich movie theater. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, here's the thing that is is so uh, cool about your story, and it's the same as your story, and it's the same as my story. All three of us uh, have lives and identities that we we when we were starting them did not intend to have. Uh, people have heard the story about you a hundred times, so I'll sum it up in one sentence. Tom Gaffey. the Phoenix Theater where we sit was supposed to be a one year project oh, yeah. in 1983. Oh yes. And here we are now, 36 years later. You, Jake Ward, are about to celebrate the five-year anniversary of North Bay Cabaret, all because you and your brother and somebody else, Matt Bailey uh, of the band Hizzy, um, had a band that you wanted to get booked. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny how in pursuing one project, you know, you find out you're actually kind of good at some other stuff along the way, and then you kind of just become that person. Yeah. And at a certain point, it almost becomes like a part of what you need to do because that becomes the role you inhabit. Yeah. And here you are sitting at the table. (laughs) But tell us about, God, there's so much. Because there's so many like uh, points that made you the person that you are, the the, the figure that you are. You went to, uh, well, let's start with a burlesque show. This is a wonderful story. You you went to a burlesque show um, a, a long time ago. It was your first one. And it was a totally unique experience. Could you tell us about that? Yeah. Um, so I didn't really know what burlesque was. And then the first time I was in Oakland and I was seeing a variety show and the first ever burlesque performance I saw was an artist who came out in a costume, sort of a stereotypical 1950s housewife. And there was sort of this like stereotypical, like kind of quaint kitchen scene. And she proceeds to do this strip tease, but as the layers of clothes are being revealed, there's bruises um, on on her body, on their body that were, um, you know, clearly like a handprint here and a bruise and a gouge here. And you realize that a, a, a picture of a spousal abuse was what was being portrayed. And so this was not just like, okay, you know, we're going to see a little bit of shimmery costumes and some tassels and just kind of a cute, cheeky, you know, striptease number. This was like, whoa. And by the end of the act, um, there's a silver platter where they pull up 
a, a severed head, which is implied to be the husband's head. So it, it becomes this like revenge sort of plot twist. And it really blew my mind. It just made me think like, wow, this, so this is an art form where um, you can totally subvert expectations of what you thought you were going to see. You hear burlesque, you see something, you, you do have a certain assumption of what you're going to see. And then, and then that's what you're confronted with. Uh, but then another act might be very comedic, very nerdy. One might be very political. One might be, you know, very fo focused on physicality, and one might be much more about the message. And it just, it's just all over the place. And so um, that was my introduction to burlesque, and, and sort of what made me interested. Another turning point for you was when you went to see the Tourette's Without Regrets show. Um, tell us about that because that's another formative experience for you. Yeah, um, I was uh, involved in the local poetry slam scene, and that was what led me to find out about the sort of variety show format of incorporating poetry, but then burlesque and drag and all these other things. So I went to Tourette's Without Regrets, um, which has been a long-running variety show in Oakland. It's been going for like over 15 years as a monthly event and draws, you know, 600 people to a given show on a Thursday night. Yes. And it's just this huge, like, cultural hotbed and there's all this stuff going on and so i was seeing like battle rappers and break dancers along you know fire dancers and and clowns and it's just it was just a like a wild west of self-expression and you were bringing together you know like we've already kind of touched on all these people who normally wouldn't interact are all in the same lineup and then their friends are all coming to see them so you get this diversity of the lineup and then that's reflected in the audience and it becomes this much more like substantial feeling cultural moment that you're having versus just you know going out for some light entertainment and it, it just really excited me and at that time I was still kind of booking all bands and then very quickly made this transition to like well I want to do this type of show I want to put on a variety show and so that was yeah Tourette's was really the moment that kind of showed me that that format yeah it's just interesting to think about all these performers because some of them are incredibly niche you know mm -hmm. some of the people that you have on and um, you know you just wonder like I mean you've probably seen people who had who had never performed before who started on a show with you some years ago who've mm -hmm. now come on to probably do really cool things and, and and beyond I mean somebody that you're bringing on tonight a uh, comedian his name is Oliver right Oliver Graves Oliver Graves uh, we won't spoil too much of his story because maybe he'll come on at a future date but uh didn't he make it all the way to America's Got Talent he did. And yeah. he actually, so the very first North Bay Cabaret event we put on at the Whiskey Tip in Santa Rosa in yeah, 2014, he was the first comedian I ever booked to be part of the show. And at the time was just sort of this local, you know, obscurity who, you know, during the trajectory of us continuing to work with him, went on to audition for America's Got Talent, got accepted, got rave reviews from like Simon Cowell and Mel B and Howard Stern and all those people. So you're watching someone who is like this kind of hometown weirdo who you've been working working with just because you think he's cool and now all of a sudden he's got YouTube videos with 40 million views wow. and wow. and is developing his own you know headlining act um, so yeah we've had some stories like that that are really cool because you you become invested in the growth of the artist that you're working with especially in a format like this where we're not you know striving to work with the most polished or the most popular we're just doing all this different weird stuff so welcome to the phoenix yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so well you know i mean early on in the in the at, towards the end of the first decade of the 1900s this was a vaudeville house and uh, so there were a lot of a lot of that type of thing going on also well it's a great tradition of entertainment yeah, that yeah, that is. sort of had its you know its its birth and then sort of its resurgence yeah. 
Um, so yeah. How much have you rearranged your life and like made personal sacrifices and just like reshaped who you are because of this new life? <laughs> um, <laughs> ah, the knowing laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would say getting into this line of work or this like space within the arts has changed the direction more than I can really account for because within the, the artists that I started working with, you sort of find your sense of community. It's affecting who you become friends with. It's like who you're dating. It's like the type of events you go to and the, like your little cultural bubble. So it's like, had I not maybe, you know, gone to that show that inspired me to start producing these type of events, it would have affected so many of the relationships that I now have. And those relationships have been so influential in ways I can't even gauge. And yeah. So, and then as far as like sacrifices, it's like, you know, there's a, there's a lot of shows that you lose money on. Preach brother. So like, I just, I feel like that wasn't in my like thoughts about what I should say today, but like it should be said that like when you're a person putting on shows, like you lose a lot of money, (laughs) a lot of times. And And, and yet they all think that you're stealing money out of their back pocket. I know that that's, (laughs) that's kind of like the cruel irony is because a lot of, you know, there have been so many shows where, you know, you, you went into it with the best intentions and the best expectations and you try to account for all these things but at the end of the day it you know falls short and then you are still under an obligation to you know pay your staff pay your artists everything that was agreed upon even if it's coming out of your own pocket and then like the 30th time you do that you're like what is wrong with me like what kind of sick hobby is this I see you've actually read my outline yes okay yeah (laughs) yeah so I mean that's and that's a very valid question so what what is wrong with you that uh that makes you do this to yourself uh, we're all right 15 minutes in we're here so like what's wrong with you um i i see i can ask that because uh, i have things wrong with me too yeah, right but you did tell him he could deflect to you yeah yeah and that's fine if you want to use that card now you can but i'm I gonna f- hold I on f- to it yeah hold on to it I, I think that this it. is an easy one this is a softball yeah, yeah. you i mean you've obviously thought about it i've obviously thought about it well yeah and um yeah. i i i paid a thousand dollars so that everybody could go to that yes. show. I threw and a very expensive part. Exactly. Yeah. And you, and of course you can never say that for a variety of reasons. Number one, it's like, it just, it sounds shitty to say. Yeah. And number two, it's like, nobody wants to be a martyr. And, no, and, and, no. and, and number three, it's like, you know, you, when you get an idea of an, an event or a thing that is really exciting and you commit to it, yeah. you have made a deal now with yourself yeah. that yeah. it's like, I may be losing money because of yeah. this cool thing I'm about to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think part of it is, um, one thing we talked about before the interview too, is like the idea of uh, if I don't do this, it won't exist. So it's like, you do feel there's something just rewarding about you're creating this thing, this experience, you know, this idea you're bringing to life with your show. So that's just rewarding in and of itself. And then one thing I like though, about having lost money enough times is that it really checks you because you have to ask yourself these questions of like, why do I do this? And then it really informs what you do next because you're like, I might lose money again. So let's make sure I'm doing something that I you know, really believe in, you know, because if I'm out there promoting it, I have to believe in it. If I'm going to lose money on it, I at least want to know that it was a good thing. So um, I think it's good to like fall down that many times that you kind of are like, well, that you're constantly like soul searching about like what's the meaning behind what I'm doing and do I really believe in what I'm doing because 
losing money on a show sucks. Losing money on a show that you had hesitation going into really sucks. Yeah. So you want to, it, it allows you to really just focus on, I guess, you know, the art in that sense, because, you know, it's, it's not a sure deal. It's not a good line of, you know, business to get into per se. No, but as we kind of discussed earlier, it, it's, it becomes who you are. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think that there's any amount of money um, that really matters when it comes to like, I'm doing the thing that I need to be doing mm-hmm. with my time on this planet. And I don't yeah. know if that make, if that like you hear that and you think like, yeah, I've had that thought, but I definitely have. I've definitely thought like, no, this is, I'm that guy. I'm the guy that like I, does yeah. this thing. I've like, had the thought of like, if I'm not putting on shows, I don't exist. If I'm not putting on a certain amount of shows per year, people will forget about me and I'll never be able to come back, you know? Or if I stop doing this, someone will take my place. You know, you, you, you torture yourself with a lot of those, I think, kind of dumb thoughts. Sort of, but maybe a less dumb thought is like, if I stop doing shows or I stop being involved in this community in the way that I have been, it's like, well, then who am I? Yeah. And I mean, you look at who you were prior to North Bay Cabaret especially in the early days of that band with your brother and Matt Bailey. I mean, that's like a different guy, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I yeah. mean, you were, you were just like another guy in his first band, you know, bumming around trying to get gigs. Yeah. And like from that seed has, you know, this, you are somebody who, who creates the canvas upon which all of the artists can show their work. Yeah. And that is incredible. It's, it's really, it's really, really fun. And I, I like working with these artists where they'll, because some of them, they like, they view your show as like something sacred and they want to live up to like your standards. And that's like, what should I do? And I'm like, what is it that you really, really want to do? Like, which act is on your mind and like on your heart that you like, this is what you want to do. And when you give them that freedom of like, I trust that the thing you really want to do is going to be the thing that's right for this show. That's just, you're creating this awesome relationship with the artist right there. And then it, and then in terms of what that becomes for the event itself, the audience is picking up the, the the authenticity of what's happening on stage because it's not being micromanaged. I'm not like saying like, you know, you need to fit our brand or whatever. It's like, it's just, everyone's having fun. Yeah. I, I almost kind of look at it as like you, 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 and we've all done it. You kind of open a Pandora's box at a certain point when you kind of choose like, all right, this is going to be the guy that I am. Cause it becomes very difficult to close it. You know, yeah. I mean, Tom, when the Phoenix was cl- almost closing 20 years ago, you were yeah. set to go up to Humboldt yeah. County yeah. and it's like, how the fuck would that, how the fuck would that have looked? Oh, Tom yeah, Gaffey, yeah. not interacting with a hundred people a day, yeah, thousand I'd, people I'd a month be living on a mountain right now. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, that'd it, be weird. <laughs> it's just, you know, and in your mind you had it worked out I did. Yep. and, I uh, and I don't know how close Jake you've come to like think, ah, I gotta, I gotta dial it back and oh, whatever. Yeah, I don't sure. know if you've ever had that thought, but it's sure. just like when you really are like feeling right and you're feeling like, all right, I'm, I'm living life the way I'm supposed to. You, you think about this thought and you're like, I can't do that. Yeah. I, I got to ride this thing as long as I possibly can. Yeah. At least that's what I think. Um, but I'm somebody who, you know, I don't, I don't like, uh, being out of the action. I, yeah. I have the same worries that you have. Yeah. You know, do you worry that you won't exist? <laughs> I know that I'll exist cause I, I don't, I don't worry about that, but I worry because I know I'll exist. I'm going to exist till I die. And if you subscribe to Tom Gaffey's belief system, I'm going to exist after yeah, I die. Yeah, that's true. But, uh, yeah. no, I'm up for another one. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're tired out enough from this yeah. one. Yeah. Ooh, I think I'm, I'm, and I'm the person at this table that like, doesn't deserve to be that tired. I'm just like, oof. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, How old are you, if you don't mind me asking? I'm 31. 31. Young man. 
young man. Young man. Yeah, fairly young. Many years ahead of you. Yeah, I don't worry about ceasing to exist, but I worry about like, what's the fucking point of you existing? <laughs> yeah, well. You know, and it, maybe that's what you mean by that. But like for me, it's like, I know I'm still going to be around, but am I going to be satisfied with my life at that point? Yeah. And, and I, I, I've been very fortunate in that a lot of the different passions and projects that I've had have had sort of a, uh, what do you call it? Like a, a snowballing effect. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you work on show promotion and then you come over here, you do the video production. And then like with on stage, we kind of combine the two things. Mm-hmm. And I've met just so many people that I love and some I love less, uh, but they're all in my life and I'm thankful that they're in my life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I certainly don't want to stop that momentum. I mean, I get down on myself probably like anybody else does, but, uh, I never earnestly think like, oh, I've made a, a poor decision in ending up where I'm at because uh, I can't imagine what my life would look like yeah. without all these projects. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I wouldn't want to look at it, yeah. you know, it, it, but I do look at it as Pandora's box. I think like, well, what did your life look like prior to the film stuff, prior to the Phoenix entering your life in 2006? My first mm-hmm. show was 2006. And I think like, well, I, I, I can't move back to that hometown because that hometown is, is gone and mm. there's, there's no place for me there anymore. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm doing what I need to be doing now. So I, I, I don't know that it's me like threatening myself <laughs> to keep going, but I guess in, in some ways it kind of is. I, I just, I don't want to, I don't want to like look at that chapter and hopefully I will uh, be able to s- stay involved in the, in the scenes that I choose to be in long enough uh, to where I'll never have to look at that. Yeah. 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 But you worry about not existing. What do you mean by that? Uh, I, I, I guess, um, you know, it's, it's, it becomes sort of who you are in the world, you know, like you're like, I, I put on shows cause it's something I wanted to do, but you do something enough times. And like, that's kind of like how people define you and how they see you. So it's like, if you cease to do the thing that you're known for, then you're no longer known, which is not like a tragic thing. And, you know, hopefully you have some sort of personal life outside of your career that defines you and, you know, your own sense of self. But it, it, it's, it's become a big part of my life to be a person who puts on shows. And so thinking about what it would feel like to not be doing that anymore just feels a little bit like, like you kind of fade away, you know? Yeah. And I would actually push back for me and I would say that it would feel like a great tragedy for me if I couldn't inhabit the identity that I felt that I needed to, Yeah, you know? And I, I understand what you're saying, a personal life, et cetera, but, uh, yeah, eh. but it becomes, yeah, it becomes big, especially if you're doing something like this, where like, this has become my career and, and what a cool career to have too. So it's like, just keep plugging forward because like, this is the thing you're passionate about. And this is the thing you've kind of, you've kind of put yourself on a track of like, this is the skill set you're developing too. It's like, I never went to college. So it's like, what else am I going to do too? So there was one other point you made that I liked was the, uh, the comparison of like variety show versus concerts. Mm -hmm. You have a thought process behind that. And I think that when most of us uh, talk about going out, I'm going to a show. I mean, it seems like 95% of people are going to see live music. Right. But for you, the uh, the relationship the audience has with the performer is different in these and, and kind of preferable in your opinion. Yes. So, so let's talk about that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, I guess when you're going to, yeah, when you, when someone says I'm going to a show, they're going to see bands, they're yeah. going to see a band they like, and the relationship between audience and artist is somewhat passive. It's like the bands are playing and the people are watching and at a variety show that's just flipped all over the place because there's way more interaction. There's way more like sort of confrontation and you're not sort of listening to a band play for half an hour. 
in half an hour, you might have seen six or 10 different performers from different walks of life doing things in different artistic disciplines. So your mind is just, you're so, you're so constantly engaged in a variety show and a comedian might actually address you specifically during their set or an improv group might ask the audience for cues or someone like uh, Jamie who we're featuring today might actually bring up six people on stage to be part of some sort of like crazy crowd game and then we're doing like costume contests and photo booths and there's so there's there's this level of like an immersive quality to a variety show that you don't necessarily get when you just go to see a band which I love going and seeing bands I don't want to sound like I'm like you know, pitting them against each other. But I think that's one of the things that, that draws me towards variety shows is that um, people want to be part of the show and a variety show, they get to do that. Do you struggle with um, the line between like too much self-promotion and like not enough? Meaning that like you obviously put on stuff that you love mm-hmm. and that you think is cool mm-hmm. and that you think that everybody should at least look at once. But it's like you being so like, centered with it it's like you don't or in the center of it like you don't want to be the annoying guy that's always like come to my show come to my show come to my show and and it's a funny thing because like i mean i listened to you describe that right there i'm like fuck i gotta go to more of these you know what i mean um does that resonate at all yeah i i it 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 totally does because you want to promote the thing you're doing it's, but it's your life in order to do that you're also it's kind also of the success of the show yeah, yeah yeah in order for people to know about my show they kind of have to know about me so it means i'm constantly like me 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 and like i i put out events as my full-time job so it's like it's it's totally incumbent on me to constantly be talking about them. And I can remember being newer to it and I had so much more natural enthusiasm to promote my show. I would go places with handbills and I would like walk up to people sitting at a bar who I don't know and could just start talking to them. Like, you gotta come to this thing and I'd describe it to them and they would feed off of my enthusiasm and be like, wow, maybe we'll check it out. And then you do it for years and years and years and, and, and now it's all so focused on promoting through social media that you feel like, okay, I'm like, at a computer like you're trying to like summon that enthusiasm that you first had because you are enthusiastic about what you're doing but but you're also kind of playing this character of like the promoter all the time and sometimes the weight of just having to be constantly promoting and playing that character is it yeah it's it's challenging because you just want to be a normal person and you want the work to speak for itself and just like if i'm throwing a show people are just going to come and we're going to sell a bunch of tickets to be great but that's not how it works I wonder so. if, if Jake Ward wants to be a normal person, though. I feel like <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he does, but I, I think I think he doesn't want to be an obnoxious promoter. I don't, you know, and I, I really think socially don't. he wants to be able to connect with his peers. But I also don't think Jake Ward wants to be a normal person. Well, yes, I I, I, I can say that I'm not. That's not my goal. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, I don't want to. I never want to feel like I'm spamming people. Yes. You know. Um, and so much of event promotion is now like basically digital marketing that, you know, I'm having to develop those skill sets and I'm like, you know, sending invites and, you know, um, yeah, it can feel, it can feel a little bit like you're obnoxious, that you're annoying people. And so I am constantly trying to find like, okay, where's that sweet spot of like getting this message to the right audience that wants to hear it, but not inundating everyone else with it too and annoying them. So yeah, yeah. I don't want to be a normal person, but I don't want to be annoying. A couple housekeeping things about what you feature on the show. Uh, 
assumptions about burlesque versus what it actually is. Let's talk about that. Sure. Um, uh, I think that there's a lot of people who aren't really, and I'll, I'll preface this by saying that like some people aren't into burlesque and that's okay. But um, I do think that there's sort of this, uh, some people hear burlesque and they kind of think like, oh, it's like, I've heard specific comments, like uh, even a couple where it's like, well, I'm not taking my man to a burlesque show or they're going to be like oogling at these, these girls or whatever, you know? And there's an assumption that burlesque is always women and always a certain type of woman. And I think that there's a lot of mindfulness in the burlesque community that it should not be that, that it's, it's an art form that is inclusive, that should have representation of people of different body types and different gender expressions and that through that you're actually making a powerful statement because it's this kind of like sexually charged medium where you're saying all bodies are beautiful no matter who you are how you identify and it's also a point of um feeling not objectified like oh like people are you know looking at my body in ways I don't want but like getting that opportunity when you deal with that so much in your day-to-day life this is where I'm on stage presenting myself to an audience there's an intention that you are going to look at me and appreciate me and that that won't be something that makes them feel objectified that it'll be empowering for them it's sort of like owning your body becoming more comfortable with it becoming more confident maybe Um, I mean it can and I, I can't speak that broadly because everyone's having a different experience on stage. But I think there's, there's an element of that misconception about like, what is a burlesque dancer? What do they look like? And then you come to a show and you might have your expectation changed. Do you feel like you're a man at peace? Oh, wow. This was not in the pre-interview notes. Um, I have a reason for asking this question. Okay. Um, I would have to say, Yes, in as much as one can feel at peace in this world and as an yeah. you know, imperfect, yeah. struggling human being as we all are. And yes. Yeah, I wonder because uh, it's such a hard lifestyle and it's like such a hard identity. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I feel like, and maybe you are now, I just wonder like when someone starts down this path before it becomes their identity. I feel like it's almost impossible for that person to be like fully at peace with who they are and the role that they fill in this world. It takes a certain amount of discomfort to try to climb a mountain that you really don't have much of a, uh, like a template to follow. I mean, obviously you knew the Tourette's without regrets guy, but there was plenty Mm -hmm. of stuff you had to learn on your own. I Mm -hmm. mean, you, you had to like forge your own trail. You know, it was just like a lot of really hard work that somebody who was like totally comfortable with who they were and what their life was and, what they were supposed to be doing wouldn't have done. And I think about that for people who like really dedicate themselves to their art. I feel like there is something about that type of person. Most of the people we have on the stage who aren't at peace, but that's okay because like that's what got them to do the thing to begin with. And maybe along the way they carve out the identity and then maybe they have some peace, but yeah. Um, I mean, once you put it that way, I want to like change management. I'm like, well, no, I'm not at peace. I'm like constantly freaking out. You know, it's like you're constantly putting out fires and, and yeah, there's like, we've kind of hit on like, there's the logistics and all that, but then like the cultural stuff. So like, yeah, it's, it's yeah. It wears on you all the time, but you like it, you know? I mean, and that's, what were you going to say? I was going to say, I think in this industry, being at peace would definitely be overrated. I just don't think you could do it if you were at peace. If you, if, if your personality was like, all right, it's 
it's five o'clock. I'm done with my job. I'm excited to go home and watch some TV. Like if that was your personality, mm-hmm. you wouldn't be doing the difficult but rewarding work that you do. Yeah. And if you found that sort of peace, like, you know, let's say you found a partner or something and you settled down or, you know, what, what people tend to do. I'm yeah. totally foreign to me. I wouldn't understand it. Sure. But I watch other people do it and I'm like, oh, that's what people seem to do. Yeah. Well, then it feels like you would stop doing this work. You know, because it does yeah. require, I think, and I could be wrong, but I, this is just for me, and, and I've gotten to know you so well, I feel like it's you too. There's something about these personality types that it's just like, no, I'm not comfortable doing nothing. I got to keep doing something. Yeah. Yes. Um, I guess at, at, at that rate, I would say there are like people I know who have had like the same job for, you know, 10, 15 years and sort of like climbed this very specific ladder and have somewhat, yeah, peaceful sort of domesticated lives and like found a partner and like really settled in. And um, yeah, in the artistic world, it's more a bunch of like lost souls scrambling around. Yeah. And and you're in your area, you know, you, you're sort of a lost soul yourself, but you, you, you like join hands with all the other lost souls and you're like, come on guys, let's go do something cool. I don't know. Well, you, you create this thing, you create this world for, for a day or whatever. And, um, yeah, I mean, you're all part of creating something and you're able to point it and be like, ah, look what we've done. And then that's very rewarding, but then it fades and you're on to the next thing. So yeah, it's, I think, um, I don't know if there's like, a point you reach where you're like, I have put on the perfect show and it'll never get better than this. So I am retiring. It's like, ah, oh, no, I don't think so. No, I think you either find a sort of peace to not do stuff because you become content. Yeah. I think that's maybe what I'm trying to say is like, you're not content just simply existing. No, you need more. Yeah. And thank God. Thank God. Yeah, thank you. Well, yeah, I think um, that's definitely been a part of the process of choosing how to book uh, the cabaret shows and like how we've evolved is I've always been kind of like looking like, okay, like where's that weirder act or that more shocking thing or that just more unexpected thing that we could do to kind of push it each time. Um, And once you find something that's like, more out there and more weird and just scratches that itch more than you've ever felt it scratch before. You're not like, I did it. You're like, it, it, it is more like a drug. You're like, all right, now, you know, I've, I've got to get my fix again. I'm like, what, I need something stronger next time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's on to the next one. Yeah. So you're not a man of peace. You'd like to change your answer. I'm changing my answer. I'm not at peace. Formally. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Which is not a bad thing though. No, it's good. Yeah. Peace is boring. Yeah. Yeah. Pieces for squares. Thank you very much. Yeah. We, yeah. We, we've got this figured out. We're on the same page. Yeah. Tom Gaffey. I'm not at peace. No, God, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> and thank God you're not, because we wouldn't be sitting in this theater if you were. There is no peaceful, easy feeling here. Before I ask you your closing thoughts, it's the first time I've ever touched your hand during That's an episode. True. I'm glad I was here for that. That was sweet. <laughs> Do we leave anything out about the Jake Ward experience? <laughs> I mean, framed that broadly quite a bit, but um, as far as the cabaret and the shows, um, no, I think we, we covered it. Yeah. Did you want yeah. me to dig deeper into your personal life or do you feel like, yeah, we got just enough? Yeah, just enough. Yeah. 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 People don't want to know that. Anyway. Leave them wanting more. I mean, yeah. no, they want no sense of mystery. No, they want to know. But the thing about you as a guest is like there's a belief system and there's a fascinating 
project. I mean, we don't we don't need to dig into the inner confines of your soul. No, no. I mean, we you know looking at you, we it's, know there's no peace. It's enough to know that he's not at peace. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> People can walk away rest assured that I am making mistakes in a public forum, that I am not at peace, that I'm a lost soul bouncing around with other lost souls, and that we really want you to buy a ticket to come see all that unfold. Feed the addiction. Feed so, this man's addiction. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Con- continue on the journey with Jake Ward. Yeah. Well, in people, some people have. There are people who came to our first show who still come, yes. you know, religiously to our shows, and that is really rewarding. And it's it's cool to see them see us progress too. And I think that we've had, I, I you know, it's almost like there's this collaboration that's happened between like us as the people kind of putting the shows together and the audience who comes out and supports them because like we're like a niche. And one thing that I've always been transparent about with our audience is that, you know, this is reliant on your interest in coming out. So if you don't come, we're not here. That's not like a threat. That's just a reality of like, I'm, you know, there's an economic element to all of this too. So, um, so we're, we're really lucky that there, I think some people who have come to our shows have seen like, wow, I'm glad this exists. And I'm so glad this exists that I will pull myself out of my house to go support it over and over again. And hopefully at the end of the day, they feel glad they did. And they feel like they got something new every time. Let's keep it going. Five year anniversary is this year for North Bay Cabaret. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't mean let's keep this interview going. We're pretty yeah. much done. Okay. But uh, <laughs> let's keep North Bay Cabaret going. Yeah. Tom Gaffey, so. closing thoughts. Yeah, thank you for coming, Jake. Yeah, thank this you, is, Tom. It's a good time. If you guys yeah. haven't done a burlesque show, uh, you ought to give it a shot. Wait, they, uh, wait. It's not just a burlesque show. Well, it's, it's a variety. It's a variety. It's a variety show. show. If you haven't done vaudeville. Look, Jacob. You know, most people, they hear cabaret and they assume it's basically a burlesque show. On the contrary, North Bay yeah. Cabaret strives to create a space for all sorts of weird and underground performance art, with burlesque being just one piece true. of the pie. Yeah. That is so well said. Yeah. I'm amazed at your eloquence on this topic. It's almost like you prepped for this. Jake Ward, thank you for joining us tonight. Thanks for having me. Uh, I said yeah. this earlier. Maybe it was part of the show. Maybe it wasn't. Ah, I think it was before we started recording. But anyway, you have been somebody that I've really wanted to get on here for yeah. the last five years you know you're probably not going to like me using this word but you are an iconic sonoma county indie person you know you do something that is entirely unique and you have created or at least brought a culture here that otherwise wouldn't exist so thank you for doing the work thank you and i'm not kidding i mean you you have connected thousands of people between the performers and the audiences and that is remarkable when you're in the thick of it and you're looking at it up close you never look at it that way but that is what you have done and what you continue to do thank you so it's worthy of celebration and i'm glad that we got to do a little bit of that tonight for you i appreciate it i just you know we're just keeping it going so before we go we should list off the uh the performers that you brought because uh jake ward is not going to stand up at the performance and uh speak uh, jake ward has curated something something entirely unique we've never had somebody do this before so just a, a, a housekeeping note the performances will not be attached to the audio version so you'll need to go on the onstage youtube channel to watch those but they are a part of this episode so uh jake Give us a rundown on the performers and, and what they'll be doing. Sure. So we have um, uh, Miss Pauline, who is belly dancer, and um, Bella Duquesa, who is a burlesque dancer, and Oliver Graves, who is a stand-up comedian, a goth stand-up comedian, and Jamie DeWolf, who does many things, but spoken word poet for tonight's purposes. 
Jake Ward, North Bay Cabaret. Thank you so much for joining thank us tonight. You, thank you. <laughs>